ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Dallas, Texas, it's the Yankee Cowboy Podcast with your host, Tim Wilkins, where he talks all things pro wrestling and sports. Let's go. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a great, great co-host, a longtime friend, Chris. We're going to be talking about a, a topic that is actually really important coming around the corner here in the next six weeks. It is the midterm elections, and can the GOP win back the Senate? Chris, I appreciate you joining me here today. As always, always like talking yeah. to you about some topics. So, Yeah, man. Glad to, uh, glad to be here. Glad to finally get one on the book. Yeah, it took us uh, <laughs> took us a little while. I mean, our schedules sometimes correlate, sometimes they don't. <laughs> it's always a good time. But uh, today's episode, we're, we're obviously talking about the GOP. Can they win back the Senate? And I think genuinely, we we both have that concern, and that's why it's a good topic to talk about. Uh, do you have any races in mind that you want to first focus on uh, in this conversation here? I'll leave it open to you on where we go here because there's a lot of them out there obviously we can win pretty much every seat if we had to but the likelihood there's a few out there so leave it open. yeah i mean yeah i mean we won't we won't obviously touch on the the safe republican or safe democrat races but i think the three that you have to look at that the media is clearly covering you know especially on our on our favorite news channel um obviously is the georgia race with uh the incumbent warnock and uh, herschel walker uh, Arizona there with uh, Blake Masters and his uh, far left uh, uh, candidate that he's running against, or sorry, I shouldn't say far left as well, far left, but Mark Kelly, the astronaut, and then uh, Pennsylvania with the uh, incompetent John Fetterman and uh, Dr. Oz. So there's there's three races that I think are really going to obviously dictate the power of the Senate and you know could potentially see how our country moves over the next. Uh, with a six-year term. Well, I think I think you're forgetting about our good friend down in Florida, Mr. Little Marco, as well as another opportunity for the liberals to, to kind of squeak on in because Mr. Little Marco is not exactly the safest right now either in the polling data. But also another one, uh, the, the Wisconsin race, which our boy, I'll Ron say Johnson. It, uh, Ron Johnson, he, yeah, listen, I'll say it, I travel to Wisconsin. I know you used to travel to Wisconsin for work. Wisconsin's a good place. Has good people on both sides, as our good friend would say back in the day. You know, and I think I think the first conversation we need to have, uh, I don't know which one you want to go with first, but I think the news out that came out uh, this past week before Labor Day was the polling data that came out with Warnock and Herschel Walker. And over the summer... Chris, there was a lot of a lot of data of Herschel, Herschel Walker being down by a lot of points. There was just a lot of a lot of data that was showing that Herschel Walker was about to get his, as uh, good old Jim Ross would say. Uh, uh, well, actually, Stone Cold said it, not Jim Ross, but open a can of whoop ass and walk the drive. So that wasn't going to happen. So I'm interested to see what what would you think about that issue or that that actually that race. 
do you think Herschel Walker closes the deal? Does Trump need to come down and campaign really good? Or what do we got going I, on? I mean, obviously, as we know, the, the, the energy of the Republican Party, I, I will say, and I'll, and I'll kind of break it into, into two facets. You got the establishment and then you got obviously the, you know, the, the America First camp, the America First movement, which I believe while there are some, um, you know, similarities and symmetries with them, I think that there is a little bit of a, uh, you know, you have your, you have your, uh, you know, kind of Washington elitist, uh, you know, don't upset the apple cart, but then you have the American First candidates that I think are really going to hopefully continue to move, move the GOP, hopefully in the right direction, especially if we can get the, get these folks seated and, and potentially look at a new, uh, Republican uh, majority leader, but we'll, you know, we'll obviously cross that bridge and we get there. But I, I think Herschel's got a chance. I mean, obviously from a name, name recognition standpoint, I mean, he is one of the most rec recognizable names in, in the state of Georgia. Um, you know, I think the knock on, on Herschel that I've seen from people is that he's not the most uh, polished speaker, you know, but you're looking at a, you know, a, you're looking at basically a country boy from Georgia, you know, grew up in Georgia and is Georgia born and bred um, who can speak to the folks in Georgia. So, I, I mean, I think obviously Trump will play, a, will play a role no matter what in all these races. I mean, all, all of his candidates that he's endorsed are, are the, the ticket leaders right now. But the question is going to be is what kind of per se, and I'll say in quotation marks, interference will the establishment run um, looking towards the next, next 60 plus days out? That's my that's my biggest concern, to be honest with you. It's not so much the energy or the 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 way the part the way that the uh, the America First movement is. My concern is that how much will we kind of cannibalize our our own people um, going forward? And that's my concern in, in Georgia. I mean, well, I, I, I think Chris, not to cut you off here, but I think the main thing is it. Mitch McConnell said it three weeks ago saying that there was, uh, you know, a, a, a candidate flaw, a candidate's flaws or, and I'm like going, they must be talking about Herschel Walker because Herschel Walker isn't a flawed candidate by the, the aesthetics, right? The, yes, is he a great personal speaker? Like, is he a great orator? Eh, I, I don't think he's going to be put you out there for the most enthusiastic speech of all time, but he speaks plainly. And I, I think you might understand this reference for being in the South as well. Other than Chipper Jones from the Atlanta Braves, Herschel Walker is probably the most well-known guy in Georgia. Absolutely. Well, add, uh, add Bill and Chase Elliott in there, and that's basically the, the face of uh, Georgia of Georgia sports right there. I, You know, I, I really do think that, obviously, from a name, name recognition standpoint, from a national environment standpoint, I mean, I think Herschel will win. I mean, it's going to be close. I, I mean, I'm looking within two or three points. I think the national environment is going to make a it's going to make a big difference. So, you know, with, the hope is obviously, you know, we got to look at what's going to happen in Fulton County, uh, what's going to happen in Cobb County, all those, all basically those counties around the Atlanta metro area that really, because of obviously the growth of the area, have, have, have turned the, the politics of the state. I mean, Georgia, as you know, was a solid fairly solid red state um, and has continued to move left because of the amount of people that have, that have migrated into the state. Um, you know, I mean, the state hadn't been carried by a Democrat since 1992. So, 
that's that's obviously a concern is as the state as the populations of the, of the metro area of Atlanta continues to grow, um, you know, the demographics are working are, are really kind of working against, you know, against Georgia that's going blue, you know, from purple to hopefully knock on wood does not go blue. Uh, you know, when you look at states like Virginia, which obviously this, this past cycle went went red at the, the governor level and at the um, attorney general and, uh, um, you know, parts of the state there. And then you look at Colorado, which was a solid red state for a long time and has gone way to the left. So, you know, that, that's my concern long term is, OK, if we win this cycle, great. But how do we how does the GOP per se stop the bleeding in Georgia, keep the state from eventually becoming that? Virginia or Colorado. That's, uh, that's, that's, a, valid, that's a valid point, man. That's a valid point. I think I think uh, Ronna Romney needs to get her act together on messaging, and that's what I, I will segue to is we can watch these candidates do what they're going to do, and I think we talked about this. When is Trump going to get into the action? And he's done a little bit, but I'm talking about like full-blown like rally after rally, like barnstorm the country. To do some of this, and I think not to say that this this raid at Mar-a-Lago, or I'll call it that, it's that's what it is, um, has taken some wind out of his sails. I think the GOP is saying, okay, let's take a back door and let's go a little bit differently in a different direction. I think Rana need to get her act together on messaging because there's no, okay, if you look at the polling data right now, the three fundamental topics that every single voter has been looking for right now is the economy inflation and it's been flirting depending on where your election your election is at it's between border security and abortion those are the top four items well, I think now, crime I think I think crime is, is super well, I, abortion. I well it's it's depending on where you are so like if you look at I think crime universally would be a third uh, fourth and fifth would probably be abortion and potentially border I think I think border security is above abortion. Uh, especially in the south here in Texas, uh, I know we don't have uh, we have as we like to call uh, a decent race going on here for governor. But uh, as as a good wrestling fan would say, it's going to be about an eight minute squash. And uh, Greg Abbott's going to be back at the house drinking beer. And so the thing is, unfortunately, uh. We can talk about – I'll talk about this race next and not to segue into this, but this race reminds me a lot of 2020 all over again with uh, John Fetterman and, and Dr. Oz. You know, um, Fetterman's not campaigning because of a health issue. He had a stroke, and Dr. Oz had a very contentious primary, and I, I want to hear your viewing on this. Is, is, is Dr. Oz – I think Trump got the same mentality of when he was going after Biden – you know, for not coming out of his basement, he got negative reactions to it. But in this case, even the local press, I think the Pittsburgh Gazette, I think is the uh, the, Pits- the Pittsburgh paper up there, talking yeah. about it. And, yeah. and, and they were they were talking about it as in he's not is he pestering them? Yeah, but he's not. He's forcing the issue uh, in a good way, which I think is important for a lot of people. But uh, I want to hear views on. I mean, I think going back to Georgia, I think. Uh, you say within two or three points. I think, like we always talk about between the two of us, as always, polling data is historically flawed. And I had to remind myself that when Herschel Walker came back out with, you know, closing the gap and, and taking a little bit of a lead on some of these polls. 
And I had to remind myself that Herschel Walker's not a bad candidate. It's just, you know, people are not going to answer their phone. People don't identify themselves as conservative on the phone to a pollster. They're not going to identify themselves out in public as that either because of the way the country is going. So when you have polling data like Quinnipiac, Monmouth, uh, Tafogger, uh, you can go through it, uh, Rasmussen, these guys are not going to get really good clear sample size. That's not going to matter. It's not going to really equate to anything. So I think also I think me and you both forgot about this, but Warnock spent a boatload of cash already in that oh. race on e- a media. It's all, out of, it's all out of state. It's all out of state. Dark money. It's all, all yeah, he spent, of money. Yeah. 30, 30 million dollars on media buys already. I'm like, and I hate to say this, but Herschel Walker has barely spent a third of that. So I can only imagine once the war chest gets opened up, and which it will, uh, going in. We got, I say, about a month out, you're gonna start seeing every every TV campaign ad you can think of. I think even your state, North Carolina, you're gonna see some. Um, and and in my state in Texas, unfortunately, I'm already seeing them now. Uh, it's just. I like I like my congresswoman Beth Van Dyne for re-election. I, I'll say that nicely. Uh, I met her many times. She's a very good person, and uh, hopefully she stays on my congresswoman. But as you say, I live in a liberal county, so you know, as you say, demographics uh, change everything. But we do want to talk about Pennsylvania. I think I want to hear your opinion on this. Is is Dr. Oz? I think you see on Twitter, man. Like Dr. Oz gets just lambasted. Every every conservative Twitter account just lambasted him, but he's keep your enemies that you want to know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at Dr. Oz, I mean, it's, I think we talked about offline last week. I mean, Dr. Oz was not a, I don't believe he was the, when you look at from America first standpoint, I, I strictly look at the candidates from an America first standpoint. I think when you look at the, when you look at a guy like Dr. Oz, he was not a, he was not the original choice. Sean Parnell was the, was the, was really the handpicked choice of who Trump was going to endorse. I think, if, if he was running, this would be a, a landslide. Um, you know, I think he'd win by six to seven, maybe eight points um, with the national environment up there. But, you know, obviously it was kind of a messy uh, primary there between him and, and McCormick and um, the Barnett, Kathy Barnett, who was the who was the third person who jumped in, made a made a late run in the race. And then obviously the, the voting tallies and all that. It was it was clearly a mess up there in Pennsylvania. Kind of definitely embarrassing. Um, I mean, when you look at Fetterman, he's a, he's a joke. I mean, he's the guy's, the guy's 45 years old, never had a job. He tries to do this whole, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a working man. He, he you know, comes out of his mommy and daddy's basement, puts on his car heart, walks around like he's some type of, you know, big, strong guy. I mean, the guy's a fraud. Um, but you have to look at it from the perspective of can Oz, you know, can, can Oz turn out, turn out in these, in these red counties and keep it closer in the, in the Philly suburbs, the Pittsburgh suburbs, you know, again, I, I'll always tend to lean towards that because that's going to be where, where elections are won. I, I got to give Oz credit. I was, you know, I was not super impressed when he first was candidate when his uh, campaign first started after he got the, got the nomination. But um, I've been, been a little surprised. I think I've seen him, he's been out there throwing some punches and, um, you know, per se, and, and, and trying to, you know, I think he's, he played, you know, he played kind of, you know, soft, touchy feely for a little while, but I feel like now his campaign's starting to kind of take a take a turn. Some of the more prominent uh, conservative 
uh, you know, components are definitely jumping behind them here. Um, you know, again, we, 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 no can, it's going to be perfect. You know, there's, there's very, you know, there's not very many Ron DeSantis. There's not very many, um, you name them, who are solid, America first, want to move the country in the right direction. You know, there's going to be some who are a little questionable. And, but we have to, re it's either, either do you, you either go with a questionable guy or do you go with a, a full-blown communist who wants to empty the jails out so you know people of pennsylvania you have to you got to you know i think we don't know what oz will do we got to get him in first and and then from there we have to hold him accountable you know that's that's the good thing about about our elections is that you know in two years in the house and then six years in the senate we can we can make those changes but for now the most important thing is we we've got to we've got to hold that seat we can't allow a full-blown communist to um, to lead the to be a rep representative in the Senate for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I think I agree 100%. I think we Fetterman, on my opinion, it, the difference between I guess most states. I'm not really interested in what a lot of what like the blue collar, the blue the blue states do when it comes to debate topics with you know with, with conservatives. But with us, when it comes to watching, I would say up in the air battleground states, you see. Like in this case, Trump is going to run. Trump is going to do some serious barnstorming up there. He is. There's no doubt about it. I think Trump is going to have Oz. We're going to do a lot of campaign ads up there. I think they're going to do a lot of campaign ads in uh, in Georgia, especially. I think is going to be the one, two, the two big ones. They're going to have to do a lot of campaign ads. I'm not talking about Trump ads. I'm talking about Oz has to play out the narrative. Why Fetterman is not this solution. And I think what he already has started to do, if you actually watch some of his interviews, especially on our good, our favorite network, uh, I wouldn't say that nicely, but uh, you know, hopefully Sean Hannity's not repeating himself at 8:25, uh, but he probably is. But if he plays out the narrative of why Fetterman's not the solution for Pennsylvania, which I think he's starting to do in a pretty much like you said, a counterpunch, not so touchy feely way. He can win this. Uh, I think you're right about the, the Philadelphia situation, the the, uh, the cities, but I think I, a lot of people have been affected by the economy, especially in Pennsylvania. I, I'll say it. I think we we live in two different states that I know our roots. Our roots are up in the in the East Coast, and let me tell you, it's a way worse scenario up there than it is back where we are uh, when it comes to inflation and the economic situation. We don't work in tech. We don't. I mean, we don't work in tech. <laughs> we don't have the luxury of working from home. I mean, some of us do. Uh, I'm not gonna comment about my stuff, but it. We we don't have that luxury. We gotta go. We gotta do our thing, and uh, a lot of people in the Rust Belt, as they call it, are being affected heavily. I think Oz, Oz needs to get away from just the person. I think at some point you're gonna have to get away from that debate schedule which I think he needs to go debate him because every time you see Fetterman on camera, I think Chris, you can probably say it here. He, that man is more incoherent than sippy cup. Oh yeah. I mean, again, we, we, we're not trying to you know rip on someone who's had a stroke by, by no means, but the fact of the matter is, you know, then this if, guy, this if guy, he can't do the job, then he needs to step aside exactly. and, and, and this, not run. Yeah. We're not asking, you know, this isn't tiddlywinks here. We're trying to, you know, got a person here who potentially could be, shaping policy to either move our country forward or continue to move it backwards that we've seen over the last almost two, you know, almost two years. So, 
you know, people in Pennsylvania, if you're listening out to us, please get out there and vote. Please get out there and vote. You know, your vote matters more. Any any of these states doesn't matter if it's um, if you're a Republican living in California, New York, Illinois. We know you guys are severely outnumbered. You got to get out and vote. I think that the national I, I environment. Think, I think the national environment, yeah, but I think on a local level, even more, even yeah. more so, especially on these school boards. I I I'm actually was excited, which uh, me and you can discuss more about the school board stuff at another episode, but we. You know, the school board elections in Florida got me more excited because it shows that people are back to being invested in their kids' education. Yeah, I think, I think the pandemic and the remote learning and people really seeing what their kids are learning. Again, obviously, we touch on more in, in our episode. But, yeah, as, as, as the old as the old saying goes, all politics are local. And I think that's where where people need to understand that, you know, the, while the presidency is important, while the Senate and, the, and, your, and Congress is important. Uh, county commissioner, school board, um, all those different things, they affect your life more on a daily basis than what happens in Washington, D.C. Not saying Washington, D.C. doesn't affect it because it does, but from a from a, a, a local standpoint, that's where sheriff, I think, and we could talk more about that in another episode, too. I mean, now we, I both one, live, we both live in, in county. I mean, I, I I live in a county system here in Texas, obviously, which and uh, I'm pretty sure yours is close to it, if not the same as in, in North Carolina. Not as, I would say, not as large as here, but um, it's, it's definitely worth talking about another episode yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think, and again, not getting off the, the topic of what we're, we're discussing, but I think that could be an episode just talking about is where you live is extremely important. You know, not from an education standpoint, but for example, if you're if you're a gun enthusiast, you're you're a gun owner, and you're trying to get a concealed carry permit if your state doesn't have constitutional carry you have to if you have a good sheriff who um about you know abides by his, his role of, of, of uh, upholding the constitution and and making sure he's not violating the rights of of his of his or her citizens uh with when, as it comes to the second amendment it's very very important honestly that's why the county i live in i i will not move to the uh to the area around the, the charlotte metro or around in the charlotte area because the sheriff there is a lunatic, and it took him. He actually was sued. Um, I know we're getting off topic, but he actually was sued um, by some gun rights groups here in the state of North Carolina because he was holding up the, the permitting process during the height of the pandemic. But uh, again, yeah, to be a topic. I, I, I think I, I think we can also discuss our our, our home state there, uh, and it's been a challenge even for people in in that state as well. And it it still blows me away how long things can take. Uh, to get process, especially on a simplistic, uh, you know, many, many of us uh, can easily get a concealed handgun permit. And, and the process of doing it is it's not other than taking the class and, and going through that. The fingerprinting process is pretty straightforward. You know, it's a five to ten minute process. But people want to and I'll, we, we can talk about we will talk about it later is the I'll say it the pandemic itself. The way it was handled. I think everyone needs to have a learning kind of look at the mirror and, and kind of say what we what we learned and what we didn't learn and how do we get better from it? Because a lot of this stuff, especially the kids, I, I like I told you a long time ago, man, uh, the kids, unfortunately, got the raw end of the deal. And, and, and it's unfortunate. Um, not everybody has a privilege to 
take their kids or to, to private and parochial schools and uh, public education, which I have spent most of my time in, uh, you know, rings the burden. Imagine, I don't think we, we talked about that uh, between the two of us. We, the kids, especially, I mean, public schools, man, like uh, we grew up where, so you were, you, I mean, you laughed at me at this one, but we had to use our cell phone in class in high school. It was a big to-do with the T9 text. Everybody was using a Razor phone. You can yeah. laugh at me on this one later. But it was it was literally like a to-do to use your phone. Now, you know, people have earbuds in their ears in class. I've seen videos. I can only imagine back when we were in school, man, we would get the crap kicked out of us for that kind of stuff. But, exactly. Different time almost 20 years ago. Yeah, showing our ages, man. But it, I think we, you know, it's just different, man. And unfortunately... Yeah. I think everybody learns different too. And I understand that I'm not going to discredit people for learning. Uh, you know, some people are more hands-on than others. And I get that. But I, I think another race that I want to kind of discuss more than anything is uh, really is Arizona. And I think a lot of us forget, you know, other than name recognition, Kelly is a leftist upon leftist. He really is. His wife, Obviously, uh, Congresswoman Giffords got, you know, shot. And I understand his stance on gun rights. I understand his stance on that uh, to a certain extent. Uh, do I agree with it? No. But do I understand his view on why he carries it? Sure. But the one thing that I, I think he's forgetting is that Arizona, which we can talk about that nauseum is that Arizona's election in 2020 was just terrible. <laughs> was yeah. they're, they're still, they're still calling it back right now. <laughs> they, there's lawsuits upon lawsuits. I mean, if I was a lawyer in election law, I'd be making a killing right now. Uh, <laughs> but it, Senator Kelly, in my opinion, has something that other than name recognition and serving the government as an astronaut, He's a leftist. That's what he is. Um, now, the candidate we, as the GOP, have nominated to go against him, eh, I'm not saying Blake he's a squish. Masters. Yeah, I don't think he's a squish, but he's not out there like, you know, I, I, think, I, I, think, I, I think he's okay, but I, I think, I guess I'm so used to Trump just beating the club out of everybody in elections. So I, I guess I'm used to that. Attacking yeah, I mean, that. And you, he's, you know, I, I think that was a concern about Blake Masters was, was the charisma standpoint. And I've watched some of his, uh, some of his videos and stuff. And, and I think he's starting to come within his own. Um, I think he's solid on all the issues, both from a, you know, from a social standpoint and also from a, from a fiscal standpoint. I think he would be a good, he would be a good leader for Arizona. Uh, you know, again, I, I look at from, I always look at things from a, from a, demographic standpoint of, of how the state is. I mean, state's moving to the left. You know, you're seeing a lot of people coming over from California to Arizona because obviously it's a cheaper cost of living. Um, you know, when you, and, and then obviously the big thing is uh, Maricopa County, which is the, the base of the Phoenix area. And it's a huge county, uh, you know, Maricopa County and then Pima County, which is which is the, uh, the Mesa area, or sorry, the Tucson area. Um, you know, those are the big, the two big counties there that obviously um, Masters has to do well. Masters is from Pima County, so I think just with that, they'll do better. Um, 
you know, Maricopa still is is, is going to be uh, is going to be an uphill battle because of obviously the Phoenix metro area. But you know, when I look at Arizona, um, you know, I think I think Arizona is is kind of interesting because obviously it's you know, and I'll, I'll use this term. You may agree or disagree, but Arizona's kind of been a neocon state for a long time. Um, you had to kind of proverbially kiss the ring of the of the McCain family for so long, and I think that is, a, people, that is that is a good one right there, my friend. You better yeah. keep that one for later. <laughs> yeah, when you and when you look when you look at the way Arizona has moved, you know, with with kind of the the, the neocon rhino, you know, the Jeff Flakes of the world. The, obviously, you had John McCain. You know, again, we don't we don't uh, we don't criticize the man for his service to our country, but his voting record, especially towards the end of his life in the Senate, was atrocious. Um, but we, we have to look at it from the perspective of how did, how do we keep Arizona in play? We can't, again, the GOP can't lose any more states. <laughs> you know, when we look at a national election, Sean Hannity's talked about it so much, the GOP is, I won't say it's fighting for its life, but when you look at, I mean, the GOP starts, it's, you're starting in a hole. I mean, you, you have to look at it from this perspective. And again, I know I'm getting away from the Senate, but looking more towards uh, the Electoral College, but you figure... California's gone. New York is gone. Uh, Illinois is gone. Yes, you, you have three very large states with a lot of electoral votes that are gone off the top. So you have to hold Texas. You have to hold Tennessee. You got to carry North Carolina. You have to carry Florida. You have to carry Ohio. Um, you know, that that's my concern is that we cannot continue to allow these states to continue to, to move in that leftward direction because Long term, it'll get harder and harder for us to win. So, with that being said, I I, I really do think Blake, I, I think Blake Masters is the right is the right fit for Arizona. I think the national environment itself. I mean, when you look at the past, uh, you know, again, we've talked about Jeff Blake was horrible. Um, obviously, it's why he's not in the Senate anymore. But uh, you know, Martha McSally was a disaster. Um, you know, Doug Ducey, uh, the governor of, of the current governor of Arizona, you know, basically put her up uh, in John McCain's seat, and then she lost the first time to cinema, and then she lost again. So, um, you know, when you look at two states, in particular Arizona and Georgia, I mean, you had two really bad candidates in in McSally and then Kelly Leffler. You know, Leffler was appointed by Brian Kemp, who unfortunately didn't put Doug Collins in. Doug Collins would have been would have been a phenomenal uh, senator uh, for the state of Georgia. That's and, and and I think there's a bevy of truth to what Mitch McConnell says when it, that candidates do matter. Now, obviously, Mitch McConnell wants candidates that will will stay in line with his with him. But it is true you have to have candidates who have charisma, who have that appeal that a Trump has uh, to the working class. You can't have people like Kelly Leffler who you know was was in on, was in on insider trading. You know we have a a terrible senator here in North Carolina, Richard Burr. He was in on, whole, on the whole insider trading thing. When you have, when you have, you also have those, a speaker of the house that you know her husband's gotten away with it like I don't know four dozen yeah, times. Exactly, but again, we we know from from a we know that 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 Democrats, uh, you know, they can they can do whatever they want and 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 you know it's no big deal to them. But if if a uh, if a GOP representative or senator does something out of line, they're they're uh, page six and. You know, oh, above we know. The, above the eight hole, we, so. we know it's a beautiful thing. We know it like it's the rules for thee, but not for me, right? That's the exactly. saying, as, and that's the uh, 
or as Nancy Pelosi would say, uh, in order to pass, you have to vote on it to read it, you know, back in the day with the Affordable Health Care Act. Believe me, this this story can go on for days. But I think you're right with the GOP. They made a terrible decision with Martha uh, McSally. And I, I listen, I don't have a hatred towards cinema. I think cinema was just cinema showing her her where she's not genuflecting. But she knows cinema's, she, she's cinema's trying. trying to be she's trying to be a moderate. But we know if 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 the Democrats had a supermajority in, in the Senate, she would be voting as far left as any of them. We, there is no you know, the days of the so-called blue dog Democrats those are gone. I, I don't, there's well, no, there's, I, I, I disagree, but I agree at the same time because I think there is guys out there. Uh, I, I don't see well, it. I, mean, well, I, I don't I, we don't see them now because it's it's the, not the news of the day. But when it comes to like serious issues, like I, I would say the Dreamers Act, uh, you see you see legitimate reform when it comes to certain issues. The blue dogs kind of stay in the background and they let these liberals and these these hard left guys kind of go out to town. But all the work gets done by a lot of the people behind the scenes that are not on the news stories that they're which, by the way, if you ever noticed, Chris, that a lot of the same six or seven senators are on television all the time. You know, oh, yeah. Ted Cruz, no. the Ted Cruz the, which, by the way, John Kennedy is a national Lindsay, treasure. Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Lindsey Graham. Graham, which, by the way, Lindsey Graham needs to get the hell off the box. His damn turncoat. Uh it, damn, smooge. But yeah, John Kennedy, in my opinion, from the great state of Louisiana, is a national treasure. Uh, I wish I had the one-liners that that man had. My, my favorite was, uh, you know, Lindsay Lohan and giving Lindsay Lohan the keys to the Benny Bar. That was that was probably his, <laughs> that's his a good one, one right there. But I, I think going back to Arizona, I I, I genuinely believe that if Masters doesn't hammer Kelly on the border. I mean, I mean, not just like hammer him a couple times, like a, like a you know, poke him. I mean, you got to club him like a baby seal because he's voted to the left on every border policy. He's not calling out Joe Biden to come to the border. And I think the border issue, I obviously live in Texas and I sorry, but maybe you should use a, the, the, the Greg Abbott playbook and, and, and start busting some people. So some of these liberal cities, they've, they've turned and, every state, they've turned every state in the union, into 48, a base of the border state. Every state here is a border. Well, state. And, I, and I hate to say it to everybody, but it is OK, because the way the border policy with Joe Biden is, is we're going to move you around the country after you get. here. So they're not just staying in Texas and making my state blue. No, unfortunately, I have people from California that, you know, think they're whatever doesn't smell bad and they come here and they think everything is whatever and they just mess up the policies locally. Just saying. That being said, uh, you know, unfortunately, Greg Abbott, in my personal view, has done a great job of trolling the living daylights out of Joe Biden. Done a nice job. I don't think it's a troll, by the way. I think it's legitimately it's not a PR stunt, but I think it's legit a good move. You're busing maybe one third, not even a tenth of what we get on a daily basis here on the border to, to liberal cities like Chicago, New York City, Baltimore. Keep it going. Hell, send them to California too. But, but why hasn't? But here's my here's my plain devil's advocate. Why hasn't Greg Abbott declared a uh, an, an emergency? 
He has. Invasion. Who do you think securing the border right now? We're, we as taxpayers in the state of Texas are paying for that border security right now. Um, we've actually, National Guard are on rotation right now. They're on a six-month rotation. Uh, there's three deployments down there right now. And how I know that, because I have bartender friends that are National Guard, and they are deployed. So and what are we doing? And what are we doing? What, what are we doing with these people? I mean, are, are we? Are well, they're, we they're, they're helping out. They're helping out Border Patrol because they're understaffed. I'll hate to say this, but they're overrun. Border Absolutely, I, there's and, no doubt about it. And but so, are, but what are we? Are, are we? But what are we doing with these people? That's my question. If, if we're if these people come across, we process them. Where are they going? Are we? We're not. We're, are we? Well, right now, them back? they're getting on a bus to go to a liberal city so they can make it up there instead of yeah, coming. So but that's my concern: is that we're not. Okay, we're you know they're catching these people and they're only catching a small fraction of them, but we're not. It's not like we're telling them, all right, go turn around and take them and send them back. We're we're just saying, all right, we're processing you. You'll get this court date that nobody well, shows up to. And this then, is where this is where well, living here. This is where living here kind of helps me a little bit. Is the policy of the border policy under the Trump administration was a way different policy fundamentally at its core. It wasn't like a heinous. We're gonna put you in cages. We're not. Listen, everybody can sit there and make that judgment call and be a little hard all they Which want. Which cages were built by Obama? Exactly. Another, so that's why I, I wasn't gonna even bring that up. But at the same time, people that are paying attention understand that, you know, they're the boys that cry wolf all the time, and that's what the liberals are. And give me a better policy. That's what the, that's what Trump was saying to you. Give me a better policy. Give me something better than what I was doing. That's gonna be better off for the entire country. And unfortunately, when it comes to immigration, other than the Dreamers Act, which it's a hard negotiation topic, it really is. If you look at the hard stance of the Republican Party, and you look at the hard stance of the, the left, they're at impact. They're at two sides of the room when it comes to this issue. Yeah, well, the only, Dreamers Act was unconstitutional. We well, all no, know that. I understand that, but what I'm saying to you is you have to kind of bridge the gap somewhere, right? When it comes to the Dreamers Act, and not to get away from the Senate race, but in my opinion, Masters needs to come out with something that is close, if not borderline the same as Trump's policy on the border. But it's also going because you have to talk about long term solutions, because I hate to say this, but the keep in Mexico policy worked during covid because you declared a national emergency. Right. I, I, that's another topic for another day. And I really can care less about what people think about covid. I'm sorry, but it's a case of the sniffles right now. If you get COVID right now, no one's dying from it right now. Oh, exactly. people, are, people are on a wide scale basis. Let me tell you, there might be some isolated cases of people dying from it that have some pre-comorbidities or whatever. But right now, it's not a, as big as a prevalence as it is back when we first started this thing. So the Cuba-Mexico policy worked. It, had, it, it worked great. The Mexico government worked alongside our government, and everybody was happy. Now, you have a campaign right now for Senate with Kelly's going to be like, yeah, we'll just keep doing the same status quo. It's not going to work. If Masters and the National Party doesn't clobber Kelly ad-wise, media-wise, debate, whatever, you got to hammer. I'm not sure the job scenarios in Phoenix, Arizona, and, and Maricopa. I'm not sure the jobs market in in. In the counties in, in Arizona, but you got to talk about the economy. The economy has got to be the number one issue going into this election. I understand gas prices, which I'm not sure the gas prices near you right now, Chris, but mine below fell $3 a gallon today. 
first time in over over a year. So. And then, but then you wonder where the how the heck these gas prices suddenly drop. Well, it, it's I personally don't believe that it's going to stay that way because FEMA, not FEMA, uh, OPEC just announced that they're slowing down production. Exactly. Yeah. So. So I think it's just a short term, six week kind of drawdown, and you know that's for the election. I said it. I'll say it again. It's for the election. It's kind of playing games. Biden is nothing more than a fear monger. He makes he makes George W. Bush look like a saint when it comes to fear mongering. And he wants to divide the country. He accused Trump of dividing the country, man. I'll say it. I'll, I'll go scorch earth on Biden if I want uh, when it comes to political views. It, it's literally that speech that he did did absolutely nothing. Nothing. Other than piss off a lot of people. Which, by the way, the silent majority has to vote. You talk about get out the vote. The silent majority went back to being silent after Trump lost. You know why? Because we were getting demagogued by the leader of the free world about how bad we are over January 6th. Which, by the way, there's news coming out about that every day. Yeah. And and, and the fact of the matter is that that hearing, which I'll talk about the Senate. We want to talk. We're going to talk about the Senate in 22. Biden's going to get impeached. I'll call it right here. I mean, that's my hot take of the day. Trump, Trump, not saying Trump, Trump got impeached twice by party because of the the vote swing in the House. There's already articles of impeachment by 15 different GOP Congress people. MTG leading the charge. MTG, Lauren Bobart, a lot of them are jumping on board. Let me tell you something. I'm actually more upset. We, I know we're talking about the Senate here, but I'm more upset that Kevin McCarthy is considered to be the Speaker of the House over Steve Scalise. That's just me. I, I think that's one of the problems. I think it's one of the problems with GOP and why they're and why you know again we go back. Well, who else? I mean, in the Senate, Chris, who else are you going to have in, in the Senate besides Mc, uh, I call you know Mr. Magoo? I mean, who else are you going to have? I mean, who else is there? Ted I mean, Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's one of the challenge, that's one of the problems with the GOP. I mean, you look at you I mean you just kind of again, just kind of go down the list of, of, of senators. I mean, there's a lot of squishy Republicans. I mean, you'd probably put Cruz near the top of the somewhat reliable, but not always reliable. But when you look at uh, you look I mean you look at just go state by state. I mean, I'll start here and Today I live in North Carolina. We got two lousy senators. You know, we had to, our last election cycle here, we had to basically plug our nose and vote for Tom Tillis. So um, Richard Burr, obviously, is retiring. He was a disaster. I mean, below us here in South Carolina, you got um, you got Lindsey Graham, who we won't even waste our time talking about. And uh, you got... Um, um, Good old Tim Scott, man. Which, Tim by the Scott. way, I, which, by the way... Tim Scott's he- been disappointed. Been, been disappointing. Yep, I mean, yeah. there's. I mean, if you if you look at, it, there's a lot of mediocre senators from the you know from the Republican side. I mean, and and the, the, the leadership's old. I mean, you look at you look at McConnell. He's ancient. Cornyn, Thune, um, you know that Inhofe. I mean, I'll, I'll say, speaking ancient. of Cornyn, speaking of Cornyn, I won't even go down that road. Yeah, um, waste our time. I, it's a waste of time. But yeah, he he's probably. He's gonna retire next go around anyway. Oh, I mean, he's, done, he's finished. I mean, he 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 made his he made his he 
he burned his political capital with, with pushing that bill. So I, that's the problem for the Republican Party is like, and I, and I even think about it as a, as, as a registered Republican. It's like, okay, we get, we get the House and the Senate back. Great. We can, we can thwart somewhat of, of, this, of this radical agenda and keep and at least hold the country for hopefully two more years until we can get Trump or DeSantis, whoever's going to run, um, back in the White House and, and hopefully turn everything back around again. Get back, go, get get back going in the right direction. But the problem is, is like, who who are yeah? I mean, I'm, this I'm is where here. this is where this great conversation will continue for the next six weeks. Yeah, and really it does because at the end of the day, you're right. You're 100 percent right. We win back the house by whatever margin that it is. Okay, it happens every two years, by the way, for all you people listening at home. The pendulum swings one way or the other. Either we pick up more seats or we lose. But at the same time, and I mean this full-heartedly, all we do is take back the majority. And then we basically block every single thing that the liberals want to do. But then when we propose new legislation, unfortunately, old Sippy Cup has the good old veto power. So, and if the Senate, which we're talking about right now, is as closely as it is right now, we don't have the veto over, you know, we can't overturn a veto. You know, we're lucky. I don't know about you, Chris, but I think it's a 54, maybe 40, 46, maybe uh, 44. I'm trying to think here. Yeah, it'd be 50, yeah. 50, 44 if we pick up six seats, which we didn't talk about another race, which I think I'll talk about here is Las Vegas and Nevada. I think yeah. Nevada is, is turning slowly turning red uh, yep. more and more. Um, I, I think we can talk about that for the next three hours, but I'm not going to because we both have lives. But the one that's kind of discerning uh, is Wisconsin. And this is the last one I want to talk about here because the national press, unfortunately, is railroading good old, our candidate there, Mr. Johnson. Oh, and it, 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 they're, they're showing him up. They're showing him down by like 20 points in polls. And I don't know about you, but we've both been to Wisconsin. And other than Milwaukee and Madison, that state's redder than red in the suburbs. So, eh, you know, does Johnson hold on to the seat? I hope so. Yeah, we but, hope. I mean, he's he was on Mark Levin. Uh, I was listening over the weekend. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of was making a point of and that – you know, I mean, he's being out. I mean, which again, all of our Republican um, candidates are being outspent probably two, three times. You know, tons of dark money, uh, out-of-state money, mostly coming from California. These hardcore leftists. You know, some of these big tech uh, overlords here who want to control our lives. I mean, they're they're they've got they've got unlimited budgets. They can spend as much as they want. You know, our our candidates, a lot of them are are you know either. St- not heavily funded or a lot of small donors. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's money. As you know, money is money is king in politics, unfortunately, whether it's, you know, the presidency or the Senate, as we're, as we've talked about in this episode or local elections, uh, money, money is king, money is king in, in politics. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Wisconsin has been moving to the right. I think that they are hopefully going to get a Republican governor back in there after, uh, having Tony Evers here um, you know, after he beat Scott Walker in 2018. So, 
Um, you know, Wisconsin, I think at one time was seen as kind of fool's gold for a Republican to win. Um, and, and, you know, obviously Trump did in 2016. So, uh, yeah, we hope that. And I think that'll be a place that you'll probably see Trump show up. And, and you know, Ron Johnson's been a, start, been a staunch ally of, of President Trump. And I think you'll see him. You'll see him out there. And I, I think uh, I'm not sure if you know the area well, but where he, Trump did one of his rallies in Wisconsin was Waukesha, which is where I usually travel for work. And, you know, I it's actually he is well supported in those suburban counties of Milwaukee. Um, and yeah, I think Trump is Trump, but uh, we'll close it out with this. Trump's got to kind of kick up the engines of uh, Trump Force One and start going to campaign. Oh, yeah, uh, which, I think. Which, which one thing I think we both have seen, that one man can draw an audience. And there's no man like Donald Trump when it comes to drawing an audience. And uh, that's for sure. And, and, and really, old Sippy Cup can really draw 100 people in Pennsylvania. Uh, and unfortunately, if Trump doesn't campaign hard for these candidates, not saying there's a there's a side of me that says if Trump doesn't go out there and campaign, these candidates will have more airtime and that they might get the issues across like the economy, border security, et cetera, et cetera, inflation across to the voter and everyone will stop focusing on Trump. Not saying there's a negative negative connotation with him, but a lot of people, ever since this Mar-a-Lago thing, there's kind of this big old weight that's on. It's like it's weighing them down, and you know, I think they got their commission accomplished on that situation. When I all say that, that they want to weigh him down so the Senate stays one way, but at the same time, if the House is divided in this country, or the government's divided legislatively, nothing's gonna get done anyway. So, unfortunately, we as the American people, and I'll close it out with this, we as the American people are going to fall victim to a government that is basically, and I'll say this in the most nicest terms possible, incompetent from top to bottom. Okay, the President of the United States, the Vice President of the United States, his cabinet have failed the American people. Secretary of Defense. Secretary of Health and Human Services, all of it, have failed the American people. Uh, Secretary of Education, all the way up to the top, Joe Biden, DOJ, Attorney General of the United States, they have all failed the United States people, the citizens of this great country, based on their conduct. And unfortunately, we as the American people have to be the victims of incompetency in government. Not them. Because they're after this is over with, whatever term of government they have, they'll go back to their nice houses, mansions that they have. Joe Biden might be selling off his, his uh, status to China and Ukraine, for all we know. Hunter Biden might come out and do some more ads. I don't know. Who knows? But at the end of the day, like I will tell this a million people across this country, we as the American people pay taxes every year to vote. For competency. Now, unfortunately, we voted the right way. We voted for a man that puts policy and government like a business. That's what we wanted. We wanted a man in 2020 to do exactly what he said he was going to do in 2016. That's the end of it. And guess what? We did. 
unfortunately, I'm not going to go down the, the election denier situation. I'm not doing that. I'm not going that way. I'm not doing it because the GOP dropped the ball. The GOP, unfortunately, cannot drop the ball this time because if we continually drop the ball, as, as my co-host has said, we lose the country. We lose the country. All bad, all things are open. Court packing. We're going to go down that terrible road. So that being said, guys, I want to thank everyone for joining in. Chris, I appreciate you joining me on this episode. And uh, feel free to join us on social media. You can join me at Yankee Cowboy 27 on Twitter. Uh, our website will be posted on the link below. We also do have a Patreon uh, link as well. We're gonna have more episodes and talk about politics, Chris. I think we have a good we have a good scheme here. I think we can talk about almost anything in the world. We said we're gonna go a half hour. This is almost almost an hour, so we might need to do some editing. <laughs> but uh, overall, I think it's a it's a good conversation to have, and I hope this furthers the conversation across the country. That's what this was all about: was actually educating people, informing people about the issues of which we already know about. We live through them every day. But talk about them in a rational manner to our friends, to our colleagues, to our family. And hopefully everyone has a good, you know, conversation, a good election cycle. Chris, thank you. Thanks, man. Do it again. Do it again. Oh, yeah. We'll do it again. All right. Uh, that was strong. It was a little long, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 are we trying, what, was, what was the final time? Still there? I'm still here. Sorry, man. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, it's 50. You got six and a half minutes on the front end to edit out, and I got about 30, almost a minute on the back end to cancel out. So it's like uh, 53, 54 minutes. Okay. That's not terrible. I mean, I just, uh, I, I could have gone more, but I, I, yeah, I, no, I, I'm looking, I'm looking at the clock going, dude, yeah. we're both fucking way over the time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good, man. It's all good. We'll, we'll, we'll tighten it up. We'll tighten it up. So. I don't mind going long on certain topics like this. Yeah. I don't mind going long on. It's yeah. it's the it's the fucking sports topics that are gonna fucking drag me up a wall if you go long yeah. on those. Those are just yeah. fucking nauseating. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. And four, man. But other than that, I don't know, man. I shit. Uh. Shit, man. I would have. That one probably went a little. That that was actually not a bad episode. I think I just kind of. I hate the sound Trumpian in, in a sense when it comes to conversational pieces, but it is what it is. Um, All good, man. Hey, I'll give you a call here. I'm gonna hang this one up real quick. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Feel free to join us on social media to continue these great conversations and more.